0: Well, I think a theme today would be for your soul to wake up. Amen? Hey, we're glad you're here today. Turn to your neighbor and say, we're glad you're here today. Turn to your neighbor and say, relax a moment. Because Pastor's going to got a three-hour sermon that he's going to give to you in 12.2 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. You're like, that's a miracle. That would be a miracle. Well, I believe in miracles. Anybody believe in miracles? Amen. Amen. Turn with me to the book of Philippians. I want to... I, I, it's amazing how God kind of uh, lines some things up, kind of put some things together. And a lot of times we're like, God, this is so amazing that you do that. But I going not even know we serve an amazing God. We serve an amazing God. I've got an assignment for you. I'm going to ask you to read through the book of Philippians. And some of you remember on the Sunday on the 27th when we didn't have our gathering together that uh, I made a little video out by the sign out there. And uh it was it was snowing the parking lot was icy. I love doing donuts in our parking lot when it's icy. Amen. Um uh Shelly's like, "Are you sure you want to make that video?" I was like, "Well, you know, let's do that." But I'd ask you guys to read the book of Philippians. Read the book of Philippians and I'm going to lay some foundation down for that for that actually to be able to take place and we're going to look at some things. So today is we're going to get started this morning on a couple of things. Um, And then we're going to be able to walk through it over the next few weeks. Can I get an amen? Uh, My word for the year, if you haven't gotten your one word, like Richard said, there's a table over there. Hear from the Lord. How many of you know one word can change your life? Oh, come on, somebody. One word can change your life. And I'm one of those that, you know, make a New Year's resolution, and then I'd feel guilty in February because I didn't complete the New Year's resolution. So our goal was... To be able to say, God, position ourselves and hear from God and say, God, give me that one word. How many of you have gotten the, their one word? Just it, show, show hands, please. Hold them up. Hold them up. Good. Look around. You guys look around. Okay. Awesome. You guys can put it down. Um, we want to be able to, to have those one words. So um, we're asking you to fill it out, put it in those baskets, and we're going to put it on the end of this right here. My one word is communicate. So say communicate. So, you know, I, uh, I'm going to try to work on communicating better. One of the things that I want to communicate to you is right here, I know you guys are like, when are you going to fix this? There's a part that is ordered that's coming in for that projector, so we're going to get that fixed. Uh, in my communication, I was driving to the church the other day when it, when it was snowing, actually, and, and I said I'll check out things and see what they are, and the sign out front, how many of you know that's not, that's not working currently right now? Um, that's not working. So we'll get that fixed too. Amen. But uh, these are just minor things and we wanted to communicate to you guys so you know what's going on with that. Okay, real quick, I want to lay a foundation down of the book of Philippians. So you guys just relax a moment and we're going to get into the word of God. Philippians is, you know, Paul wrote letters. Paul, the apostle Paul was an amazing teacher he was an amazing man. He was very smart, intelligent. He was the best of the best. He was the, they said the, he called himself the Pharisees of the Pharisees. He was smart. He was intelligent. He was well-educated. But how many of you know he had a meeting with Jesus? He had a Damascus Road experience with Jesus. And I am uh, my prayer for you is that you have a Damascus, Damascus Road experience with Jesus if you've not had a Damascus Road experience to have a Damascus Road experience. One to where he changes the way you look at things. One to where he changes the way you see some things. One that where you can take some maybe religious doctrine or things of that nature and say, wait a minute, that, that's different than what Jesus is. I've had some people that says, well, Paul says this. And there are times that Paul said, in my opinion. And then how many of you know that when I always look back at what Jesus said? Because how many of you know Jesus is the purity? He's the purity of the word. Jesus is the word. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is the word. But Paul, God had anointed Paul to be able to, he wrote 13 of the epistles, 13 of the letters in the New Testament. These are these are letters. They, they use the word epistles. I mean, I don't know how many of you nowadays here, well, I don't know, but I read an epistle from my sister when she sent it through the mail. We don't use that word much here anymore, but it, it literally is a letter. How many of you, just a show of hands, I like little surveys every now and then, how many of you have before <laughs> before the technology, before the emails, how many of you have ever written a letter to somebody and sent it through the U.S. Postal Service? Anybody? Okay, I'm looking around. Most everybody. All right, your hands down. How many of you have taken a letter or a personal letter and put it on an email and send it to somebody? Right. Okay, there's there's a lot less of you that have done that. But how many of you know when you write a letter, if I was writing a letter, Shelly and I were in a courtship of a hubba. We were in a courtship for many years. Um, I was a long-distance one. Then I moved here. I should say many months because then I moved here, you know, to be a little closer to the courtship. There were times that we we have exchanged information. And I remember her hearing from the Lord what she wanted in a husband. And I heard from the Lord what I wanted in a wife. And how many of you know those were personal, intimate details? And how many even you know we were able to share them with each other? I mean, I'm getting at this because Paul, when he wrote the book of Philippians, he wrote this book in a way that was different than any of the other books. It was different than any of the way that he had wrote the other letters himself. So you have to remember, when Paul wrote this, it wasn't a theological discussion. You can get into Corinthians, you can see those different things in that, and Romans, you can see some of the theological things, but I want to go over with you three different things as we get into the book of Philippians because uh, that you're going to begin to see. As you read through it, this is going to help you today understand the background behind what Paul was doing and what Paul had written and why he had written what he written to, had written to the church of Philippi, to the Philippian church. So, uh, let's, let's take a look at a couple things real quick. Bobby, if you want to. The first thing I want to tell you about this letter, say letter. This letter, this was a genuine letter to the church. He wrote this letter to the church. First of all, there had been 11 years that had passed by since Paul had been to Philippi. In other words, there's 11 years before he had visited them. So we also understand that this letter was written somewhere around 63 A.D. This letter itself, how many of you know Luke hung out with Paul? You can see that through his different letters, the the writings that he had, that Luke had hung out with Paul. Luke and Paul were not together at this time. Luke was not with Paul in Rome when he wrote this letter. It was written after Colossians. It was written after Ephesians. It was even written after Philemon. So those, this was a letter that was written later. See, a lot of times when we read it, we think, okay, this, this happened this day and this happened the next day. And there's sometimes that those letters are four, five, 11, 20 years that were different that when these things began to happen with the experiences that they that they had gone through. So he wrote this letter a little bit different. How many of you understand that this letter that he wrote to Philippi was, it was an old Macedonian community? In other words, there were Macedonians there, so it went to them. How many of you understood there were Romans that were there? They went to them. So there were some different things that he did. There were Greek people that were Greek. So he wanted to be able to write. Wasn't Paul the one that said, I want to be all things to all men? So he would try to do certain things to the Macedonians. He would write it in a way that they would understand it. He would write to the Greeks in a way that they would understand it. He would write to the Romans in a way that he would understand it. So listen, whether you're Greeky or not, you can understand this. Can I get an amen? So I want us to be able to see this because we need to look at it in a couple of, of different ways. Some of you, this is going to shake some of your theological understanding. This praetorium that Paul was in when he wrote it was actually attached to the emperor's home, the emperor's palace. And the emperor at that time, his name was Nero. You can look it up in history. You can Google those of you that love to Google, Google Nero, and you can begin to see that he was in power at that time. Do You know what Nero's nickname was among Christians? The beast. They called him the beast. So he was was, understand that he was on house arrest for the first two years from 61 A.D. to 63 A.D. Then he was taken in to the praetorium where he was then being held. And this is where Paul began to write this letter. So let me give you a couple, three things today that's going to be able to help you understand this as you read through this. Number one, the first thing, it was a genuine letter. Say genuine letter. We've seen a lot of other people have written genuine letters. How many of you have written a formal letter before? There was not a lot of genuine stuff in it. But a lot of us that have written a letter, a personal letter, there's been some real intimate things in there. And when you begin to look at this letter, when you begin to realize it, that it wasn't a theological letter. It wasn't set up for theological debate. There were no outlines. There were no formal things that you can look back in some of his other writings and begin to see. This letter had a development of his own, and it was very personal. It was, you know, just like a real letter would be. There was personal news in this letter, and there was personal ideas and thoughts and feelings in this letter. This letter shows a real outburst between two ladies, (laughs) easy ladies. There was two ladies that didn't get along. There was obviously a conflict there. And Paul talks about that conflict. And he says, look, get it worked out. But how many of you realize that if you read this letter in the conflict that it was there, it what it was is it wasn't going to tear the church apart. And he didn't address it in that way. He addressed it as a loving part of the church in, in Philippi. So it was a genuine letter of to personal friends. If we begin to start reading this as a genuine letter to personal friends, you're all of a sudden going to begin to start seeing it that way. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. Can I get an amen? Okay, not only was it a genuine letter, But number two, it was a letter of love. It was a letter of love. He's not finding fault with the church of Philippi. You can read through it. Although there was a discussion between the two ladies, there was an interesting dynamic there. But Paul knows that those things can be worked out. How many of you know we can work things out? If you're willing to, and God's wanting you to, there's things that can be worked out. So he didn't never think that because these two ladies had some issues going on, that it was going to not do anything other than bring peace to the church. Amen. Other than this, Paul began to start looking at and he continued to praise the brothers. He began to start giving praise to them. And And I, and a lot of times as I look at this, I think, wow, how is this towards living word? And I think, man, There's some great components in there that I'm like, I want to be that. I want to get there. I want to do that. I want to get to that place. He had nothing but praise for them. So what he did is also in in verse 9, he said that his prayer, that their love would abound yet even more in the knowledge and the discernment. And I thought about our church. I thought about the other churches in the community, other churches in the world, and the other churches even in this state. And I thought, man, what a great thing to think about a body of believers that are coming together with a common cause and a common purpose to lift up Jesus and to be thankful that we abound or grow in more knowledge, that we abound and grow in more discernment. And I'm not talking about discerning the things of of good and evil as much as just the discernment of what we're doing and how we impact and the righteousness that we can operate in. Can I get an amen? He was full of thankfulness upon them. He kept saying, man, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful. And I began to, 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 to understand how thankful we are. Not that we have ever not been thankful, but I want you guys to know how thankful we are. We are very, very thankful, us the body of the Living Word Fellowship, we're watching you guys grow. We're watching you go through struggles, but we're watching you get knocked down and you get back up. Can I get an amen? We're thankful. Turn to your neighbor and say, pastors, you're thankful for us. We're very thankful, very, very thankful. He talks about his remembrance of them. I mean, there's times where I could, I could show you and have you talk to some other pastors that I'm like, you would not believe what the people here have done not only for this community, for the lives of each other, how the difference that you're making in the lives of each other. The church at Philippi may not have been charismatic like the church in Corinth. Hello? I mean, the the church in Corinth, you can see them, they were dealing with the spiritual gifts, and they were praying, and, pray and prophesying, and speaking in tongues, and they were doing all those different things, and some of it was out of order, some of it was in order, but that was a charismatic church. But the church in Philippi was not as charismatic as that. But Paul begins to talk about that the church in Corinth was rich in their fruits of the Spirit. Wow. Wow. Rich in their fruitfulness. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Ooh, those are the fruits of the... They were rich in that. They were rich in that. What a wonderful thing to look at it and say, hey, each church has their own dynamic, right? Each church has their own gifts, abilities, their own thing that God has for them. Each church does. And he was saying, look, Philippi, you may not be as charismatic as the Corinthian church, but here's one thing I want you to know that you're rich in the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control. Wouldn't it be amazing? Isn't that an amazing thing to say, man, I'm rich in that? Say, I'm rich. Come on, everybody, say I'm rich. Tell somebody like you mean it. I am rich. You know what? I am rich. I am rich. And a lot of times all we go for is like, Pastor, I just I just gave my last into the offering. Well, I got news for you. If that's the case, you're rich. Because if you're willing to be like that woman with a widow's mite who will take everything she has and give it to the Lord, then we're rich. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm looking at a rich person. Come on, I'm looking at a rich person. Paul talks about this in this letter, that not only it was a genuine letter, it was a letter of love, but he says his heart was full of gratitude and his heart was full of love. And he writes about that. He rejoices when he thinks of them. Whoa, man, how many of you rejoice when you think of something and you're like, oh, that's good. I rejoice when I think about Lloyd and Debbie. I rejoice when I think about them. I rejoice when I think about Kelly. I rejoice when I think about Joel. I rejoice when I think about Terry. I rejoice when I think about you guys. See, he, was, he wasn't he was condemning. He wasn't putting them down. He wasn't saying, you've messed up. You've not done good. You've not done this. And just the opposite, he was saying, I am so thankful for you. What an amazing church of love. And I rejoice when I think of you. He also said that his peace and his hope are triumph over his present difficulties and pain and persecution that he has gone through. How many of you know he went through some stuff? He was beaten. He was whooped. He was left out for dead. He was, I mean, he went through some stuff. Some of the things that I go through, I'm like, oh, God. And then I start reading about Paul, and I'm like, forgive me, Lord. (laughs) Forgive me. Forgive me. He had persecution. Do you know that he was facing death every single day? Every single day. His love was unconditional. Not only was it a genuine letter, but it was a genuine letter, a letter of love. But the third thing, it was a letter of joy. Say joy. It was a letter of joy. Paul was a man whose spirits, it was undaunted in the circumstances. If I begin, if you will start looking at him and what he's gone through, and it seemed like no matter what situation or circumstance he went through, he was like, it's going to be all right. It's going to be good. He rejoiced in the middle of that. He may have been scourged. The Bible talks about scourging. To us, that would be a beating. He may have been beaten in in one city. He was stoned in the next city that he went to, and the third city he went to, he was imprisoned. And then how about this? Well, I don't want to be there, so I go to the fourth city, and then they beat him and leave him for dead. So when he woke up, when he was conscious, when he regained consciousness, the Bible says he just began to rejoice and be thankful. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise of thanksgiving this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm I'm thankful. Sometimes I'm like, God, I am very, very thankful. I haven't had to go through some of those things. Paul was a man that you could look at and see in his writings that he always had the zeal for the Lord. Always had the zeal for the Lord. And I think sometimes we've forgotten about that. Sometimes I think we've forgotten about what God has done for us. Sometimes I think what he's done in situations and circumstances that maybe through the course of time we've forgotten about. You know, I want the Holy Spirit to remind us I don't want to have to be reminded all the time of the bad things. How many of you like the Holy Spirit to remind you of the good things? Amen? Say, look, I remember when I did this. Do you remember when you got delivered out of that? Do you remember when you called upon me and I answered? Do you know what? A lot of times all we do is, you know, God has answered one, two, three, four, five, six times, and then one time it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen. All we do is focus on that one time instead of the sixth time that he's answered us. Can I get an amen? Come on, let's give the Lord some praise in the house. I mean, Paul was the type of guy who not only he continued to have zeal for the Lord, but nothing could upset his peace. You can tell my word for 2015 was peace. So I looked at Paul and everything I began to look at his life. I thought, man, he always had peace. He always had peace. He always was able to operate in peace. So if he was operating peace, then what do you think was happening around him? Isn't that contagious? When all of a sudden you're operating in peace, there's the calmness that comes in. Other people start being calm. You know, there would have been one other time when he had been in Philippi and that he had been thrown into the prison, the inner prison. His feet were shackled. His arms and hands were shackled. He was thrown in there. And all we hear about that he was left almost for dead in there. And he and Silas were in there. And about midnight, what happens? All of a sudden they were saying, it is well. It is well with my soul. And it was like, what? You know all of a sudden in the middle of the 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 chamber in the middle of the prison and behind the bars He and silas are saying hey, let's begin to start praising the lord. Let's begin to start singing some songs I'm telling you, you might be going up against some stuff today But in the middle of that if you could just lift your hands if you can just say hey god I know i'm in the middle. I got my ankles shackled I got my arms shackled, but I praise you god. I praise you in the middle of this I praise you in the middle of this god. I lift you up god. I lift my praises to you today god That's what we can do He praised him in the middle of that. Let's praise him in the middle of what's going on in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This series is going to be a really good series. You don't want to miss it. Amen. He was in prison now. He was in Rome. He was imprisoned, but he was still rejoicing. He was still rejoicing. There are people today that they may not be in a physical prison. They may not be in a physical prison, but they're in a spiritual prison. They may not be behind bars, but yet they're limited. God wants us to be able to break out of those things god's out God wants us to in the middle of those things get ready. How many of you know there was there's there's a scripture that talks about that when they were in there in the prison Peter they were in there and they were praising the Lord, and what happened? An angel showed up. Maybe you were the angel that showed up, maybe. Don't forget you're leaving here with some angels. They're at the doors. When you walk out, they're going to hang on to you. Come on. How many of you would rather have some angels hanging on you instead of demons? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Me too. It's like, hey, that's what I want. That's what I want to have. How many of you know he had been in such a difficult place? Real quickly, I want to give you a scripture to, before we before we close. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Bobby, if you'll find 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I want to share with you just a couple things that I, real quickly as we leave. Not only did Paul write this letter to the church of Philippi, it was a genuine letter. It was a letter of love, but it was also a letter of joy. And in the midst of our difficult places, in the midst of our difficult circumstances, in the midst of what's going on in our lives, 2 Corinthians 4, 8, and 9, if you can can find that. I'm using the New American Standard updated. Paul says this. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. The International Version says, I'm hard pressed. Anybody been pressed hard? Sometimes we feel like we're in the middle of that pressing. He says, we've been afflicted or hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Say, not crushed. He says, perplexed, but not in despair. There's been some perplexing things in my life. How about yours? But we've got to come to that place where we always have hope. He says, I've been perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted. And One of my scriptures here says, but not forsaken. I like persecuted, but not abandoned. There might have been some persecution. Now, do you think Paul was writing this from his heart? I've been hard pressed on every side. I've been going through some stuff that have been difficult, and every time I go through those things, I want you to know I may be hard-pressed, but I am not crushed. There may be some difficult things going on in your life, but Paul is saying, hey, what you've gone through, you may be hard-pressed, but you're not crushed. In other words, it is not over yet. Or could I say it this way? Maybe North Carolina vernacular or Oklahoma, it ain't over. It ain't over. Turn your name and say, it ain't over. I know that's hard for some of you to like, I, 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 I can't say the word ain't, <laughs> but it ain't over. He goes on in verse eight. He says, I'm hard pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned. Listen to this one. Struck down. <laughs> Anybody felt like they've been struck down? It's like, boom, I just took that one. I just got struck down on that one. But what? Not destroyed, not destroyed. Not destroyed. The enemy, you might have been struck down in some things in your lives that, have, that that situations and circumstances, but I'm here to tell you that you are not destroyed. Come on, do I have any kings, uh, sons, and, and daughters of the Most High God in this place today? Say, I'm not destroyed. I'm not destroyed. So, Paul, when he began to look at this, when he took this letter, he, he was a genuine letter. It was a letter of love, it was a letter of joy. And we need to begin to read this now. And we need to begin to look at this now. And we need to say, wait a minute. Some guys I know, some big, tall, tough guys, they'll quit and they'll give up if they'd gone through what Paul had gone through. I'm telling you, Paul was a man's man and Jesus was a man's man. Come on. He was tough. You love (laughs) him. Are you with me? So I have gone through some stuff. You've gone through some stuff. And it's not... It's not that God doesn't know what you've gone through. It's not that he's not aware of the situation and the circumstance you're dealing with. It's not as he doesn't understand the struggle that you have as you go through those things. You might be struck down, but you're not destroyed. Say, I'm not destroyed. So some would have quit a long time ago, but Paul never gave up. Paul never gave up. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? How many of you enjoyed the ministry time this morning? Let's give the Lord some praise for that. You know what, we we always want to be able to have come on, let's give him some praise if we're going to give him some praise. We may we may not have it all right, we may not have it all perfect, but I'm here to tell you God's moving. And he wants you just to step into what he's doing and how he's doing it. Put your hand on your heart tonight or today. Let me just pray for you. Father, I just thank you for the ministry that's already been done. But I thank you for this word that this word goes forth deep. Lord, that this word begins to shift and change those people. And as they begin to read Philippians, we read it in a different way. We know that it was a genuine letter. We know that it was a letter of love. We know that it was a letter of joy. Father, we thank you that we declare right now and that kingdom of God is advancing and we continually understand, God, that you are with us, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, and that what we have, even what we've received today, that others need that. Father, I pray for this family right here to be able to go out this afternoon and this week and to minister and to be your hands and your feet in this community. We bless them today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hey, before the mass exodus today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come talk to me. If you want to rededicate your life, come talk to me. If you if you need further prayer, come on, we'll pray for you. God bless you. Let's give the Lord some praise God bless you as you leave today. Go forth in his power and his might.